Chapter 12. Equal Footing. Parrick, call me when you get this message. We've got company coming today for dinner, and your father wants you here. Also, some old friends of yours have just arrived. We'll be waiting for you. The message from my mother clicked through as I caught a lift back to Ground Zero. Perhaps Lord Rayner did have a daughter my age. Or maybe he wanted to know what the feth I was doing in Sub-Zero without any bodyguards. I'd spent the past two days carving my own path forward, and by the Emperor's teeth, I'd better have it sorted. I reached the overhive before my father, but not the trouble. I was a span away from our tower when I felt it, a resonance that matched two of the many colors I'd sampled in the underhive. The fates had somehow breached the dividing line. Crossing a long sky bridge, I cut right and circled to a service entrance at the back of our estate. The back wing of our abode was silent, and that gave me a moment to consider my next move. Knowing my foes could be on me in seconds, I used my stealthiest stride to work my way forward. In the distance, my mother's raised voice trembled. How could anyone do such a thing? A smooth, familiar voice responded, spiking my rage. We don't mean to upset you, Lady Kilhaven, but perhaps it would be best if your children weren't present when Parrick arrives. I almost punched the wall. I'd walked into enough traps where these two were concerned, but I couldn't confront them with my family in the room. If only my father came home with a couple of super warriors, that would set things on equal footing. I was certain that the Astartes would be allowed in the overhive, but didn't know how Breezy and List had managed to get in. Images of a cobalt blue dress beneath a black leather coat traipsed through my mind. From down the hall, I sensed the presence of a woman in complete control. Never had I been so wrong. My mother jumped out of her seat in surprise. Parrick! Her guests took their time standing up. I'd kept my coat on, yet doubted it would make a difference at this short of a distance. Surprisingly, they were unarmed. Dressing more like Asher McNeil in terms of fashion and expense, the two wore custom-tailored bodysuits with a line for both business and pleasure. There was clearly nowhere to hide the bulk of a Lay's pistol in its charge pack, but a knife, perhaps. My mother rushed to my side, eager to make introductions. Parrick, I've been chatting with Evan and Brianne Harland. They mentioned that they are old acquaintances of yours and were concerned for your health. Liz smiled at my skepticism. Parrick, we're glad to see you looking well. My sister was worried that we hadn't heard from you for some time. I'll bet, I thought. Mother, thank you for keeping my friends entertained. I've been eager to see them again after my most recent mishap. The overhive was my place of refuge, and to find that the fates had infiltrated our walls left me feeling like Lalo Green after this afternoon's talk. I only had my personal walls to hide behind as I took a seat across from Evan and Brianne Holland. Here I am, back in one piece. In truth, I was better than before. My extra connections to the Sea of Souls had been forcibly sealed by the Warden as its curse scoured my soul. My mother did the unthinkable and sat back down. She was all in where these two visitors were concerned. Evan was just telling me about their independence and the hardships they've endured. They live away from the House Harland compound in Hydra 4, and Brianne has spent nearly as much time in the Medicae as you, Parrick. You've got a lot in common. Liss leaned forward. Lady Kilhaven, we haven't spoken with Parrick about our past, but I'm glad we're able to share it now. Brianne had a rough childhood. Our father only wanted boys, but my mother managed to sneak in one girl to right the balance. It was a mistake that my sister paid for dearly. As soon as I reached my majority, we removed ourselves from my father's domain, 
and I can't say he was disappointed to see either of us go. Brianne doesn't speak for herself. My mother ran the interrogation. She had a well-worn knack for digging out the truth. The look on Breezy's face was one of utter terror. Her makeup was perfect, and yet it couldn't hide the woman's shattered reality. I'd thank Lalo later for the small gift of seeing what I saw. Breezy and Brianne were two entirely different people, and I found myself believing every word of Evan Holland. Brianne stopped speaking to others when she was 14. Her stints in the Medicaid were as much for psychological damage as they were for any physical harm. My mother was aghast. I'm sorry, but how does she exist outside the overhive in such a state of being? On rare occasions, she talks to me when we're in a suitably safe space, and other times, she's very good at pointing out what she wants. She actually thrives by maintaining her distance from everyone, so don't take her silence personally. Besides me, nobody but Parrick has gotten close to her. And she'd had me executed. Fair is fair. I couldn't hold my tongue any longer. Do I have Brienne to thank for the flower? Brienne nodded, not raising her eyes from their examination of our floor. The wood pattern was exquisite, a manufactured work of art. It was quite a surprise, quite a gift, in fact, and I've been struggling with its meaning all week. I stood and circled the coffee table, holding out my hand to the stoic young woman. The pair had seen what I'd done to the warden, and they'd seen my silver eyes as I'd left the building. They had to know the pain they'd caused, and at least now, I had a better idea of why. Evan stood up at my gesture, but there was nothing he could do as Brienne reached out and grasped my hand. Leaning back, I pulled her to her feet. I wanted to look in her eyes and see who was there, but more than that, I wanted to embrace her and tell her I was sorry for how I'd acted before. I did none of those things, nor did I take anything from her. As I'd done before, I offered my free hand to Evan, creating a fragile chain. The overhive was my refuge, while the underhive had become theirs. That they'd stepped over the line, back into a world seen as sinister, was a brave undertaking, and one could never have enough brave friends to watch one's back. Thank you both, I said. I'm glad you didn't forget me. And Brianne, you look as stunning as ever. I released their hands without waiting for a response and stepped back into my own safe space. If you are up for it, maybe we can catch up later on tonight. General Kilhaven arrived that evening with Lord Emilio Rayner and his wife, Sina. What had I done? With enough warning, I'd scrubbed off the scent of Sub-Zero and changed into far more conservative clothing, more business than pleasure, but comfortable. I still wore my custom-made boots. My mother had survived the interesting afternoon and turned on all of her charm for her peers. Dinner had been ordered, as usual, and would arrive shortly, signaling the end of the pre-interview chat. My work for the ecclesiarchy was front and center, as were my stints in the Medicaid and my disqualification from the PDF for certain uncontrolled episodes that we assured them were a thing of the past. The list was long enough that I didn't delve into the far more serious attacks that I'd experienced recently, nor my connections to Evan and Brianne Holland. After an hour of contemplative discussion, the front door beeped, which was odd considering the food should have automatically come in through the service entrance. Zena Rayner smiled, and Lord Rayner offered a short explanation. In honor of your recent recovery, we thought a gift would be appropriate. My mother returned to the room, toting a six-foot-long power glaive. The thick-bladed weapon was an elegant blend of broadsword and spear. The handle was made from a polymer resin resembling natural wood but ten times stronger. The blade was adamantium, 
a metal known to be used by the Adeptus Astartes, and it hosted a built-in molecular disruptor. To call it extravagant would have been an insult. It was a relic of an earlier age and priceless for its rarity, if not its effect. I was utterly impressed, but what followed easily bested the blade. Was there anything else? Said Lady Rayner. My mother's easy smile had returned in full. Only this young lady, who I'm told does far more than deliver weapons in the overhive. A young woman, smartly dressed, stepped out from behind my mother. Lord Rayner did have a daughter of suitable age, and in a glance I could see that she checked all the boxes plus a few more. Lord and Lady Kilhaven, Parrick, please meet our daughter, Caroluna. She's recently joined the Adeptus Arbitus as a junior arbiter and is an instructor in hand-to-hand -hand fighting. Caroluna's face held its own familiar smirk. I'd met her in Sub-Zero, in the line outside of Clubspan. She'd been entirely convincing in her role. It hadn't been a total coincidence. She was learning the family business by going undercover. The night I'd met her, she'd been one of four Arbiter spiders wrapped in sexy body sleeves of vibrant, slug-proof synthetic silk. I admired the shade of her lipstick, red like a warning it called to me. Caroluna, why take a posting in Hydra Secundus? Being the Adeptus Arbitus overseer for the entire Hydra cluster, Lord Rayner resided with his clan in the overhive of Hydra V. Luna could have pointed out its many advantages for remaining anonymous, but instead, she chose to make it clear that I was merely a sheltered overhive dweller and completely out of her league by saying, We can't all stay in the nest. I'd fallen out of the nest and only come crawling back for a quiet place to sleep. At least Caroluna didn't appear bored, and frankly, neither was I. Going in knowing that you don't have a chance means you've got nothing to lose. It was becoming the path of my life, and I followed it to the end of an amazingly pleasant dinner. Along the way, I may have won over Lord and Lady Rayner, but Caroluna played perfectly hard to get. As a last resort, I invited her to train me in the use of my new glaive, offering our exclusive overhive workout space. I figured Court McNail only had enough bodyguards for one girlfriend. It would be worth the risk. I can't. I'm working late tonight. She wasn't only a delivery girl, after all. I didn't mind. So am I, but a workout in the morning can do wonders, bleeding off the adrenaline of a long night. Most of my nights are spent babysitting thrill-seekers. It was a challenge I couldn't resist. Mine, too.